Welcome to the Nerd Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today is myself, your nerdy tutor George, and with me here today, Jedi Hopeful, my mom. Hi. So. I could be a Jedi? Well, I think last week you were a little bit more on the Sith side. <laughs> um, I think this week we can have you be redeemed a little, but I think these movies redeem themselves on a certain level, too. Well, they're of a completely different character. They really are. So we're continuing our uh, month-long expansion into uh, Star Wars with the eventual release of Rise of the Skywalker coming up here on December 20th, depending on when you're listening to it. It might be a day or two before it comes, or it might have already come and passed, but we're going to watch. Um, but we're going to go through the movies here, and then we'll have its own podcast on the movie itself. Yep. Um, because I think there's a lot of meat in there to begin with, so. Okay. Um, but this week we're actually going to be discussing episode the original trilogy, the original 1970-78 trilogy. Um, 77. seven. excuse me. Um, as well as the companion movie that kind of works well with this, known as Rogue One. Now, um, with the recent kind of purchase by Disney here, they've decided that like every other year is going to be a Star Wars, is going to be one of the mainline Star Wars movies. And in between those years, we're going to try to have... Not necessarily very substantial movies, but kind of like side stories that don't necessarily devolve around all the happenings and such. So, so auxiliary. Kind of auxiliary stories, yeah. Like these, are, these are not necessarily stories that need to take place, but are nice stories to take place. Um, we originally thought The Mandalorian was going to be one of these side stories. It's now a TV series on Disney+, Plus, which I think works much better. Um, what is The Mandalorian? I keep hearing about it. So the Mandalorian is, um, there's a race of uh, uh, bounty hunters called the Mandalorians. They're not right, necessarily... there's one, the one that captures Han. Yeah, there's Boba Fett, he's a Mandalorian. <clears throat> um, and they're basically just like, previously in the history of have known to be like the greatest bounty hunters of all time. Um, they're a little less so now based off like how the years have kind of passed them by a little bit. They're not the greatest anymore. Um, but their names are still kind of well-feared throughout the galaxy. Oh, it's a Mandalorian hunting me down, you know, stuff like that. So it's real. Yeah, yeah. So it's... It's, it's, it's not Steve McQueen. No, it's on... It's, on, it's like on when they're like, oh, no, there's a, there's a Mandalorian. Shit. So... Okay. Um, I haven't seen the series yet. Again, I'm waiting to binge watch it once it goes through. It's only seven episodes in, so I'm like... I'm trying to figure out how baby, baby Yoda works into this. Yeah, me too. I'm curious about this Baby Yoda... I've seen knit and crocheted patterns now to make your own Baby Yoda. Oh, there's like there's been like five different depictions of it in, on my whiteboard in our office. Oh, I, I yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, okay. So, it's but, a thing. So to start us off with, we wanna, I want to talk about Rogue One, because Rogue One works really well into Star Wars A New Hope, because it came out here in uh, 2018, it came out in 2016, and it's basically the way. It's basically how the rebellion got pl its hold, its plan, its hold on the plans for the Death, Death Star. Death Star, yeah. Um, stars. Um, we have uh, nobody I've ever seen before. No, none of the other mainline <laughs> characters are even in this. Um, well, you get Jimmy Smith. You get Jimmy Smith, which does exist here. Um, and through the actual creation of digital artwork here, you were able to get Carrie Fisher, who at this point had recently just passed away when the movie came out. Yeah. Um, and you get Grand Marf Moff Tarkin as well, who was also in uh, the next movie, obviously, A New Hope. 
Yeah. Although, again, when the actor was in A New Hope, he must have been in his 60s or he must have been in his 50s or 60s at that point and a very prominent British actor. They digitally remake him here um, in Rogue One. And there's a little bit of Uncanny Valley going on again because people know what the character, who the character yes. is. And yeah, and what he's supposed to look like. Yeah, and while he moves very organically because they actually had an actual on-screen actor. I think it was like one of his children who actually played him. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, like, digital effects, again, like... We're going to talk about digital effects later, by the way. Oh, yes. So. I have issues. So let's go through just through the quick quick plot of Rogue One. We have um, a young Jin Erso with her family that are kind of hiding out from the Empire. Her dad's a engineer of some sort that's been working to build the Death Star. Um, he gets captured, the mom dies, and Jin Erso now... The mom dies, the mom gets shot. Yeah, but, like, I, I think she had it coming. She had it coming? She's trying to save her husband. Yeah, but, like, it's he, the, it's So the he had been working on the Death Star, and he retired and went to a far-off planet and became a farmer. Yeah. And he, and what's interesting about this is it kind of mirrors what some some Oppenheimer and some of the others wanted to do with the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. They basically wanted to just separate themselves as far away as they could. Yeah. So, um, Rogue One has been, descri- has been described to me as these are the people who you need in a rebellion that don't get medals at the end of the day. Because you really can't pin a medal on snipers and assassins. Oh, it's a rough it's oh. a rough shot group. And this is like a it, it, this is actually how this movie is how I wanted the original prequels to look. Gritty, not necessarily dirty, but like this air of like things are not things look dirty and used and this is a universe that's been lived in versus I think the prequels which are very clean, very uh, not very organic feeling. I loved the feel of this thing. Oh yeah, no, it's, it totally so, reminds so me of the After watching one, trailer. two, and three, mm-hmm. this was a delight because it was, and it had sort of the, with the, with the group that that um, that they had there. The group that they had, it, it, it had a, uh, sort of a, a taste of um, Guardians of the Galaxy for me. Kind of like a roguish charm to it. It had, but but very much sort of that 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 core little group that each has its own quirk. Really wasn't. You know, kind of just ended up together. They weren't planning on it. They, they weren't planning. So I had very much for me uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy feel to it in terms of the yeah. sort of core group to it. Mm-hmm. Um, except there wasn't a, a good group. But but aside from that, I like Groot. Um, I, I, I wager there's probably one. Of, I mean, I mean, uh, what's his face here? Uh, KS2O, K2SO, the big lumbering droid okay, there you go he's a big he's a good Groot at he's the end a, of the day. you're right he is a good Groot okay so it it kind of had that feel for it here's the other thing that really struck me after being so disappointed in the the really awful love story um in in one two and three mm-hmm. um you had this genuine never consummated love story yeah kind of like this like best buddy but like thank you for taking care of me sort of but you kind of knew that there was something didn't you feel like there was a romantic tension yeah there was an element there that like had they lived between generous and and yeah between generous and cassie and under like yeah you kind of feel that like had they had they lived through all this maybe they might have found they might have escaped to their own farm they they die in each other's arms they choose they choose to go watch i shouldn't give it away well, I mean, it was so, I mean, um, okay. So go through the plot. Yeah. So Jin Erso eventually gets uh, rescued by a guy named <clears throat> Saul Guerrero, who kind of recruits her into the rebellion. 
like in good. 12, 15 years later, she's now like a... He, get, he raises her. That's mm-hmm. sort of where her father tells her to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's to wait for wait for him to come, her, him to come pick her up. Right. Um, and and he's, a, he's, even the rebellion doesn't like him. He's too extreme. Yeah, he's too extreme for, for the rebellion. Yeah. Um, but they eventually get separated and they have a falling out with one another, uh, Jin gets rescued by the rebellion again through from gets rescued by Cassian and Cassian and K2SO. Mm-hmm. And the intention is that they want to go and find and, and we should say K2SO is a is a reprogrammed imperial droid. Imperial droid. And so he has a wry sense of humor about being a reprogrammed imperial droid. And here's and here's again where one very of very dry sense of humor. Very dry sense of humor. And um and here again is some of the wit and charm that was in four, five, and six that mm-hmm. was lacking from one, two, and three because he even cracks jokes. And at one point, she they're in a battle and she shoots at an Imperial droid mm-hmm. and then he comes around the corner and says, you knew that wasn't me, right? <laughs> you know, so he's, he's, he's not just a reprogrammed droid, he's a snarky reprogrammed oh, he's droid. he's got a lovely dark sense of humor. Right. I appreciate it the entire time. And it works. And um, and I I sat there as I was watching it, um, the, almost the entire thing, saying, "Okay, this is what the others needed to be and weren't." Yeah. Because it had that that we'll talk about that some more with 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 you know four five and six, but mm-hmm. but yeah, it pokes fun at itself. It, it has its own understanding that like this isn't this is this is a movie about space wizards and laser swords. And at the end of the day, like, you either bought into this already or you didn't buy into this already. And if you bought into it already, let's have some fun. Yeah. And I, th- I think that was really lacking in the in the original trilogy, in the prequel trilogy here, because, yeah, you bought into it, but a lo- and I think they were expecting, oh, but we have to be serious about the material because everyone's very serious about the Star Wars material. But, like, I think it's okay to have levity and. and when we speak about the sequel trilogy here later, we have a lot. Uh, there's a lot of disagreement online about the fun in in it here, and then I don't know why because this movie has its own amount of fun and its own kind of dark sense of humor, and nobody. I never had. I never heard anybody have an argument over this movie is too lighthearted. They're making too many jokes at stuff like in versus the pre the new sequel trilogy. There's issues with that, but we'll talk about that when we get to those movies. Okay. All right, so so I really um, enjoyed the idea that these people—I shouldn't say I enjoyed the idea—I really appreciate the idea that these people always knew that they were sacrificing themselves, that they could die at any moment, and that they were going to. Yeah, and um, and and that's that's pretty clear from the get-go. From the time you see the the first city exploding. Mm-hmm. Um, they understand what this is. Yeah, they understand the the consequences of them failing and what it means to even succeed if they do. Right. So so they know the whole time that they're going they're going into a fight they're that, going they, down. that they're going down. They're going down. And 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 yet they're so you really believe that they're there for the cause. Mhm. Absolutely. And that's and that's that's an engaging thing. Yeah, it's an engaging notion at the end of the day that you feel that these people really do understand what it is that they're doing means they won't get to go home if after if even the option becomes available yeah um and again like it's just it's just a really great job of writing this movie it really was like 
it was a it and actually so um it was a lovely lead into because it explains it explains how the how Princess Leia even comes into possession mm-hmm. of um, of the plans of the plans. And there's a, a lovely scene towards the end with Jimmy Schmitz about who do we trust this to? Oh, I know the person. Yeah, I would trust her with my life. Life, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get that. Um, it's yeah, it's well done. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite bits in this movie here. We'll get to in just a little bit here. Um, so eventually they go down to the planet. Um, their intention, they go down to this planet here, um, Jetta. The intention is to find Saw Gerrera to see if they can get in touch with uh, Jyn Erso's dad because the intention is to get to Jyn Erso's dad to help them figure out how to get through the And Saw Gerrera may have, may have heard from him since that was who he yeah. trusted his daughter to. And inevitably he has, and so... Um, eventually, they, they pick up two other guys. I guess one guy who's like some sort of fallen Jedi or training Jedi. It's not well explained, but it's Jimmy Woo, so I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. it's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then his um, is kind of his buddy at the end of the day. He's got like a like a like a Gatling gun, but it's a late, but it's like a blaster Gatling gun kind of just kind yeah. of connected to his back. It's super fun. Yeah. Um, and he's just. Both of them are just on screen, just hilarious because they bicker back and forth, like married. And but again, that's kind of what you need. Again, these are not people. That, I mean, like even the people you like hanging out with, you bicker occasionally with. And like if you really like them, you bicker a lot more. Well, and 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 his whole he he's such a motley thing, and um, the hair and and the whole the whole nine yards. Oh yeah, it's it's just and and the thing is, even the way he's presented is half out of the Middle Ages. Yeah, like, you, like even the way he's dressed. Oh yeah, he's and, in, he's in robes. He's got a staff because he's blind. Yeah, um, and he's just kind of he's very much spouting what would feel very old and very foreign to a lot of people, especially of that age. Um, and I find that very in, find that very interesting at the end of the day because it's very foreign, but it's very much of this feeling of what had been the Jedi way several several decade de- couple decades ago at this point. Yeah, because at this point they've all been in hiding for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it so it it's um, it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up finding Sagarera. They get the information about this Death Star up in space. We have Director Krennic, who is with Grand Moff Tarkin. They're testing the Death Star because it go runs off of Jedi Kyber crystals, which are what power lightsabers. Which, which is part of the problem with with uh, down on the planet because they've got kyber crystals in a temple mm-hmm. and they're that, raiding the temple. and they're raiding the temple mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um eventually they leave and the this motley crew decides we're going to go to the planet that jenner so's dad is on and try to rescue him with some people thinking maybe we should kill him yeah there's he the one the one guy's even given directions to sniper mm-hmm. and he doesn't yeah. at the very last minute doesn't, cassian yeah. doesn't um Meanwhile, up in space um, with the Death Star here, Director Krennic is not happy about losing the Death Star to basically what's the grand, what is basically like the five-star general of uh, the Empire here, which is right. the Grand Marf, Moff Tarkin. Um, and he goes to visit Vader to see if Vader will uh, give him back his Death Star he's been working on. And I love this scene with Darth Vader because it really does show like... Everyone's kind of a little put off by Vader, and they clearly fear him. But they're trying to do their jobs, and he. Just, I need more time. I need more help. Yeah. And 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 the whole, and you know Vader can 
choke him in a Invader really Invader really could give no shits at all here yeah. either. Like yeah. he just does. Well, that you know, care. you can tell the um, the uh the Emperor that when he arrives. He's yeah. He's yeah. on his way. Yeah. Um and so uh unfortunately Generous was dead dies in some sort of failed attempt to rescue him. Um and so they go back to the rebellion and, the, and they basically tell the rebellion here, hey, look, here is the weakness. Here, the, here are where the plans are. There's a weakness. We can get you. We can get the plans and we can do this. And they're like, no. Because no. he, I mean, we 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 missed a step, and that's that that um, that there was a message left for Genersa. Oh yes, yes, yes. So Sagarera had a message for Genersa, which was from her dad. That was outlining the flaw in the in the Death Star, um, that there was a that there was a shaft. I built that, a flaw. That he, that he built a flaw into it, but nobody knew where it was. And the only way to know where it was was but to get the plans. Yeah. That even a flaw even existing was not. Um, but he told her of. how the flaw worked mm-hmm. in 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 the hologram. Mm-hmm. But not but where you, it was. But not where it was, and and so she she. Um, receives that information and thereby knows that her father had good intent. Yeah, even though her father was building the Death Star with the you know, Death Star, he was secretly trying to slow it down, halt its progression, and actually build a way for it to be destroyed. Should yeah. it ever become and and get the message to her? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That that there was a way for it to be destroyed. Um, so this motley crew of rebels eventually decide here that. Um, they're going to go against their own rebellion, and they're going to go in and try to get the Death Star plans. And and let me ask you a question about this because okay. they decide to do that, and at the point where where her father is is there's a battle, and it's the rebellion has shown up there, not knowing that the, these rogue rogue warriors are there on the ground. So they've they've shown up in fighters in fighter. Yeah. So so yeah. So there is a. Commanding officer of Cassian's Cassian, Cassian's commanding officer essentially has decided that he's going to that um, they need to halt the they, star. Not only do they need to destroy the Death Star here, but they uh, believe that if they kill uh, Jinnerso's dad, that he won't be able to complete the Death Star. And they don't know about the flaw yet. No, they don't know about because the flaw. because they haven't been able to to, to communicate properly, properly. Just yet. Yeah. the radios aren't working just yet. So they yeah. decide. They know what planet they're on or where they were going, so they were decided that, okay, well, let's just send some fighters over there. We'll do, like, hit and run, and then we'll leave. Right. Because that's kind of the... That's actually kind of an interesting notion about the Star Wars franchise, that their major fighters here, the X-Wings, have their own hyperdrive in it so they can travel around. TIE fighters don't. So oh. TIE fighters have to have the, their Star Destroyers. They have to have a home base. They have yeah. to have a home base nearby. They can't go out too far on their own. As where the X-Wings were designed with hyperdrives, a lot of them have shield generators on them, so they're meant to, in a small little fl- small little group of like maybe like eight eight or ten fighters, go into a place, hit them real quickly, and then leave real quickly by jumping back into hyperspace. So in in all this, Jen almost dies. Yes, she almost dies as well. Um, barely survives because um, they actually steal a rebel uh, spaceship yeah. or an imperial spaceship. Ship, yeah, because theirs has been. Um, been destroyed or broken at this point. Broken, yeah. Um, so they end up going to this planet to get the plans. Uh, you get this great scene where Cassian and Jyn or so have uh, disguised themselves as Imperials. Um, they've actually recruited a bunch of other just like hired guns from the Rebels to go there and just be like a diversion on the ground so that way they can get to 
the information. Um, I love at one point, throughout the entire movie, K-2SO has been asking for a gun. And they don't want to give him a gun because he's an Imperial droid. And ever since the Clone War, at the end of the Clone Wars, they've made it a point of saying droids can't have weapons because they don't want the droids to turn on other people. Right. So it's kind of a big deal that the droids are not allowed to have weapons. Jin basically gives KS, K-2SO her blaster. And you find out like he's just no-scoping. <laughs> Just his arm moving around with the rest of his body just static, shooting off, picking off Imperial uh, stormtroopers as they come around trying to get to him. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. He's he's such nice comic relief. Oh, he's such a nice welcome sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's as if Chewbacca could talk, and Chewbacca had a dark sense of humor. You kind of get the feeling that he does. I would like to think Chewbacca does. Yeah. Um. Meanwhile. Word has kind of gotten out, and so the fleet has decided, okay, let's go help them out. So they go in, and they go and help out the... Uh, the entire rebel fleet goes in to kind of distract all the other starships star above, and they've get able to get some guys down onto the planet here now, so they got even more people. Um, to make a long story short, the cool guys that we met on, the Jetta, they all die, unfortunately, but with, but with good intentions that they do, they die. Well, the, the the Death Star is partially operational. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's partially operational. They've been doing tests. Um, they get the plans and they transmit them up to one of, to the ships. Right. Um, one of the ships, um, and then the big attack happens and destroys the tower, basically. And um, But then we get one of, probably one of the coolest scenes in the entire movie that really does show how much Darth Vader was a badass. Oh and yeah, this, no, it's very, it's very cool. So this is dark hallway, and Darth Vader kind of just like you hear him there, and there are all sorts of, of rebel, uh, rebel fighters. soldiers there. Yeah. yeah, and all that happens, you just like they all turn around, they hold out their guns, and they're just like, uh, and then all you see is just a lightsaber ignite with the effect of Darth Vader behind it, and everyone's just like, well, shit. Well, and and he likes deflects things and tosses people without you know mm-hmm. just like. It is it is chaos in a hall. Yeah, they eventually get the plans out, and they get onto the ship, and the ship leaves. It's the same ship that we start with A New Hope. Yeah. And Leia's on the ship. Um, actually, what's interesting, the director for that movie was the guy that pulled the little lever that uh, releases the docking clamps for the ship. Aww. So there's a nice little, nice little, nice little bit in there for him. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, for the director, at least. Yeah. So. I figure nowadays, like, if you really want to do, like, a Make-A-Wish sort of thing, like, I want to be an extra on a Star Wars movie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'd be the way to do it. Um, but, yeah, no, that's Rogue One. I liked Rogue One a lot. Well, and it explains why um, why the fighters are uh, rogue named Rogue Yeah. in in the next movie. Yeah, Rogue so Leader. Kind of, yeah, Rogue yeah. Leader. And yeah. yeah, so it was, it, it had, it tied a lot of, I don't usually like things tied in a bow. But this was a nice, it's, nice package. Sometimes this works out rather well. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so let's go. Let's move into uh, Star Wars: A New Hope, the yep. or the original Star Wars. Um, this one, I think its story is very so iconic. I don't even probably need to refresh anybody on it. But uh, again, Princess Leia is, is trying to run away from Vader. The ship gets captured, so she gives the plan to to her droids, and her droids go down to Tatooine. They're eventually bought by Luke Skywalker. Um, in the process here, like he eventually meets uh, Obi Wan Kenobi unintentionally, 
figures out that his dad was a was a Jedi, Jedi Knight, although which he didn't know. No, he didn't know. His uncle gave him the impression that he was just a a, a spice trader or a smuggler of some sort. Yeah. Um, come to find out, his dad was like super cool badass guy, but Obi Wan's still like very not very direct about his dad. Not very either. forthcoming. No, not not the entire story about his dad. This is where we get the hint of, you know, oh, he he fought in the Clone Wars, and that's where they had to come up with the entire Clone Wars. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, what? But but the, the underwriting theme there that that whole time is that um, you know his father was killed, but that what his father did was dangerous. Yeah. That there was, even though it's not referred to as the dark side, mm-hmm. that he was reckless. You I and mean, you got the sense that that was what was being communicated. Oh, I don't know about that. I got the I, I got the impression there that his dad was like a really good fighter and that he was maybe the best that the Jedi could possibly be. But he was, but Obi Wan, you know, reiterates that he was um, that he was uh, basically killed by Darth Vader essentially. Yeah. Then that's kind of the uh, underwriting theme of that notion here that Darth Vader killed his dad. Yeah. Um, this is also where we get the lightsaber mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, Luke tries to go back home, but Imperial troops have already been there and have basically Just killed... Just annihilated. Yeah, yeah. annihilated his uncle <laughs> and his aunt. He's got nowhere else to go. He decides he's going to help Obi-Wan Kenobi take these droids to the Rebellion. They meet up with the coolest captain ever, Han Solo, and the greatest walking carpet. I mean, uh, Wookiee, uh, Chewbacca. Well, okay, but let's talk. They walk into the bar... Oh my goodness! That bar must have been with with the music and the the, the all the different characters. And they're and just panning through different aliens one after another. All like these ones that looks like a werewolf at one point. Other ones are just so foreign and bizarre. You're like, wow! I I really have walked into another place. It's just the Wild West. Oh my goodness, the Wild West. And and I think I think you know that scene is of, of course iconic, but I think it also sets the tone for. Um, kind of the rest of the series, like you yeah. don't, this is, you don't really expect what you're thinking you're gonna get. Maybe like it's this is a weird and unique universe, and we're setting the stage for us being a very expansive, unique in universe. But I mean, in these first couple of scenes, you also see um, without a real exp- explanation other than than you know, I think at some point you're told it's Jed- Jedi mind tricks. Yeah, you see Obi Wan controlling people yeah um convincing people that his way is the right way right these are these are not the droids you want yeah um uh and uh and then you see him negotiating of course with with uh, Han Solo and Han Solo um and the Millennium Falcon and you see that sort of snotty thing between the the clean good kid mm-hmm. and the dangerous reckless smuggler yeah that is Han Solo because Han Solo is a good guy but he's also a bad guy because he was a smuggler. That's what he did. Well, he's he's a neutral party at the end of the day. Yeah. He's, he's 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 neither he's neither a good intention or a bad intentions. Whatever will make him money. He yeah he's and he's yeah. very much about having to repay his debts to the huts because he doesn't want to get on the bad side of gangsters really, and that's his big deal. Well, the the debt collection. I mean, there is already a debt collector looking for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's a very famous scene on in and of itself because it's been rewritten a couple different times now by George Lucas. Really? Yes. Yeah, so See, I didn't remember it being different than than what I saw. So in the original version of the so the original 1977 version, Han shoots Greedo first, 
he basically he makes a very big point of saying like you know yeah I bet you know I bet you've been looking for me, and he just shoots him point blank like just kills him right out out no provocation on Greedo's part at all either although Greedo's been kind of had a gun up kind of had a gun pointed at him here for yeah. a little bit as well in a in the mid nineties here when George Lucas was going through the process of redoing all the special effects because now he could get away with doing a lot of the special effects the way he really and wanted them to. I don't like some of what was redone. I don't either. Okay. Um, what they redid though is that they had Greedo shooting first it going a little bit above Han Solo's head and then Han Solo shooting thereafter. So there was a big contention for a number of years of no Han shot first. It got later kind of refixed at some point. I haven't seen this newer version of it that where it got fixed at all. So I don't know if you got a version that had Han Solo shooting first or not. But I, I, I know, I remember watching the original, the VHS tapes that we got back in like the late 80s that we yeah. probably destroyed at one point. Yeah, we no longer have them. No, I remember having those movies and watching them to infinitum and Han Solo shot first. And yeah, George which, Lucas, which, which would have made him a controversial character. Mm-hmm. And George Lucas actually wanted to change it later on in life because he felt that if Han shot first, that there was really no way of, of him being a redeemable character as he's portrayed yeah. out through the rest of the series, which I disagree with because I think... Well, he obviously is redeemable because he was redeemed. Yeah. That's an, that's an interesting aside. Yeah. That, I'll have to go back and look because I don't, honestly don't remember. There's an interesting conundrum between uh, that's been brought up over the years of... With movie making and a lot of artistry, like when you're done with your art, you're done. You have to present it's, it. It is you can't edit it anymore. Um, and a lot of times, the art, the phrases that movies aren't finished, they escape, or movies aren't released, they're escaped. Um, because again, like you could edit a movie forever, but if you don't actually present present it at all, you haven't really done a movie. You've just done a project. Well, and and we'll we'll get to it later. Um... But but I, I I don't like don't approve of some of the changes. I just don't no I, I so I, I think they've gone. I think had they been there originally from the very beginning, nobody really would have minded necessarily. But I think certain changes. Mm, I'll even disagree with that. I think well, what changes <laughs> what, what changes do you have an issue with? Well, no, we, we'll we'll talk about when we get to the third movie. Okay, all right, all right. Um, so to continue this here. Um, the Luke, Obi-Wan, Han, and Chewie, they're supposed to go to Alderaan, which is where they believe the Rebellion is. Uh, that's where Leia has told them for them to go, but the Death Star has kind of gotten there first. Um, Darth Vader has tried to interrogate Princess Leia, and in order to test the battleship station, Grand Moff Tarkin's like, okay, well, we'll just destroy, destroy your planet if you, don't, uh, if you don't tell us where the Rebel base is. You don't want to cooperate. Yeah, yeah and basically... Leia lies to them and says, no, they're on Dadtooine. Yeah. And then then they're like, okay, well, we'll just destroy this planet. It's like, what? Well, we got to test this thing out, make sure it actually works. It won't be much of a threat otherwise. And yeah. they blow up Alderaan, and it's just like this amazing, it's like, they've blown up a planet. Yeah. That's pretty big stakes. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, she has, and here's an, I mean, okay, so in watching... One, I very quickly came across what I really didn't like about one, two, and three. I'm watching four. Okay. A New Hope. I very quickly came across what I didn't like in one, two, and three. And you saw in that scene where where um, Leia is being interviewed or is being interrogated by Darth Vader, because when when he Darth Vader gets 
comes in. Mm-hmm. She um, and uh, he mentions, you know, I, I should I smelled your stench, and then and then uh, when he mentions the emperor, well, I should have known the emperor was holding your holding uh, Darth Vader's leash. You know, she so so you get what fiery you, kind of spirit. Well, even beyond that, I think what you get is is where um, one, two, and three rely a great deal on slick. Mm-hmm. Okay, slick settings, beautiful world, all these gorgeous cities, waterfalls, palaces, and 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 it, it relies a lot on. Slick and shiny, and the grandeur of all of it. Yeah, and and in doing that, and spending time with that, and spending time with some of the the graphics that it introduces, mm-hmm. it doesn't spend time on character development and all those little pieces. Of, you get more dialogue. You get more dialogue in 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 four it, it, and in five and in six you um i think you get more meaningful dialogue i think a lot of the i you think you get more dialogue period but but you get more character development you get a sense a really deep sense of who these people are mm-hmm. I, I think for the most part in the, the way I've, I've kind of been able to uh, summarize my thoughts on this here is that Episodes one, two, and three are movies where the plot pulls the characters along. As we're in four, five, and six, I think it's a lot of times the characters that move the plot along. And if you have characters that are pulling the plot, the the characters initially have to be far more interesting characters that pull the plot around with it. Because when you really look down on, when you really look at the at the basics of this story in and of itself. I mean, you could summarize it here in about a dozen bullet points. Really, you could. You really, yeah, and, you could. And, and I even have. You could you could very easily do this in about a dozen bullet points, but it's the characters that make this story very interesting at the end of the day, not the world that surrounds it. Versus one, two, and three, the world is kind of the more interesting element than the actual story being than the actual characters are in a lot of cases. So, and I think what happened with one, two, and three was that there was all this back stuff that had to be explained and had to be done. But not a lot of emphasis got put on the characters because we had to build this grandeur world and all those events that we hear about in four, five, and six. See, and I think you can you can draw the contrast between how they dress the queen mm-hmm. and how they dress the princess. Well, keep in mind, like keep in mind from what my understanding is that Naboo is a very rich planet. It's a, it's a it's it's intentionally a very rich planet. As for Alderaan is like a middle-class planet. Like, it's got riches and money in it, but it's not as hoity-toity as Naboo is, culturally. Okay, so it's L.A. and not Beverly Hills. Yes. Okay. But even then, mm-hmm. her from her hairstyle to, to what she wears, this is a much simpler, direct, not so... Not so over-the-top. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, and, that's... And, and, and the same as... And that... Stylistic, stylistic difference mm-hmm. is true, I think, throughout. Yeah. Oh, very much. I think it's very much the understanding that, like, these are the clothes, these are the everyday clothes you wear versus the new, the prequel, the original, the prequels here were very much like, these are the clothes that you wear to impress people. But style, I mean, the whole style of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How the graphics are presented, everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, again, yeah. that's the, partly yeah. one of the reasons why the prequels, again, have not, for me, have not aged well because they, 
the very toned tone and very stylish difference just in the world itself. It's, the, it's uh, as the, if, uh, the opulence is unnecessary. It's, it's as if the rest of the world degraded around everybody, but it happened in 20 years rather than over a decade, rather yeah. than over like a couple, like uh, over like a century maybe. Yeah. So Yeah, got it. Uh, so um, eventually what ends up happening here is that um, our crew in the Millennium Falcon um, meet the Death Star and get captured inside the Death Star. They realize the princess is here. And they go to save the princess. Great scene. And and the princess is just like gets rescued and mind you like Han Solo. And she's snarky while being rescued. Oh, but she's snarky the entire time, and that's why we love Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher was perfect <laughs> levels of snark throughout this entire movie. I don't know anybody else that you couldn't have perfect snark with this with this movie here. Yep. Um so they rescue the you know, they end up having this great trash compactor scene. Just in and of itself, you're just like, oh, they're in garbage water. Ew. It's so cool. So unfortunate. Um, they get out of it here, and in then you get this final fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. Um, now, online, there is a redoing of this scene where somebody has, um, where two guys acted out what they think an actual fight between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi would look like, considering, assuming both of them were still in there relative peak fighting form. Okay. Um, and it's awesome because it adds okay. a kind of a couple different layers to the story. And, I'll have uh, to look for that. Oh, yeah. I, I will include it in the po- I will include it in our show notes on our website. Okay. www.nerdtutorialpodcast.com Yes. Um, so they eventually escape. They get the plans to Yavin 4, which is where they're hiding um, with these really cool pyramid things. We got to be on those pyramids. We have actually, they're, they're in Guatemala. It's we have stood on top of them. And we actually got to climb them and look out and see the same thing that they're seeing. Oh, absolutely. Except yeah. at nighttime, that would have been a cool thing. But That's true. But I've been there for sunrise. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and so at this point here, even in the very beginning, uh, Luke Skywalker was very much talking about how he wanted to go and join the rebellion and, and fight. And um, they basically give a call it a, uh, a, a uh, 20-something-year-old, never-gone-to-college farm boy a heavy advanced piece of military equipment yeah and no explanation for that no except it, that the force is strong with this one well not that everybody agrees with that at all only the person that's ever said that is nobody's actually even said that with this guy only so much as that you know that like oh it's this farm kid but he's a really good flyer i guess so guess so yeah yeah takes out and they go through the process of uh taking out the death star Han and Han initially and, and Chewie have like they've gotten their reward for rescuing the princess. They're gonna and go they're back, gonna fly away. They're gonna go back to the huts and drop the money off so that way yeah. they can repay their debts. Yeah. Um, but they come back all of a sudden. They never went away. They actually came back and they helped save the day. Vader's in his own Tie Fighter chasing down and um, you know rebels and taking them out very judiciously. Yeah. Um, they blow up the Death Star just like Jyn Erso's dad and Ed, Ed instructed yeah, them Jim, in the plans. Yeah. And then we get a big parade. Yay. Yay. Um, a celebration. And, and, and more of that sort of um, love tension, romantic tension, between, between uh, Leia and, and Solo. I actually never got that in this movie. I think it's more pronounced in the next movie, but not in this movie. Well, she, she, when, when, uh, when, it, when they pin the medals on them. She's got kind of that look of like, 
and, kind of look on her, yeah. But well, yeah, but she actually she kisses she kisses Luke mm-hmm. to try to make uh, uh, Han Solo jealous. That's in the next movie. That scene. They don't kiss during the parade at all. She basically gives them medals, and that's she it. She gives them medals, but she, she doesn't give a medal to to Chewbacca at all. That's the part I'm really annoyed by. Oh, okay. Chewbacca deserves a medal too. Okay. Then how come one of the other fighters that got out of there got medals either? Because he's the one who blew it up. No, he's just a main character. He blew it up. The other guys helped too. I know. Okay. Um, interesting trivia for this movie here, which I found very interesting. Um, so there's a character named Wedge Antilles, uh, played by a, a gentleman named Dennis Lawson, which is Ewan McGregor, who played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequel trilogies. It's his uncle. Oh, that's cool. So when they were going to go watch... So Ewan McGregor... Uh, uh, retorts that when he was going to go watch the movies, they went to he went to go watch the movie not just for you know like oh because my uncle was in the movie and then I got this cool movie on top of it anyways and yeah for Ewan McGregor who was I think like maybe seven years old at the time when it came out like wow cool yeah um, or or young age or some sort of there um, I found it interesting that Luke Skywalker was net, was at one point known as Luke Starkiller yeah not a good name no I don't think so either. Um, and another cool, interesting fact: Obi Wan never says "May the Force be with you." Now he says variations on that, like "The Force will be with you always," but never actually says "May the Force be with you." That exact string of words never does, actually does say. Cap, does the captain say? Han says that to Luke at one point before that before he goes and fights in the uh, in the X wing. Even though, and and the neat thing about that is that Han never really buys into it. Never really. No, believes. never believes in it on any particular level. But, but says it anyway. But says it anyway. Which is kind of like, I, I've kind of figured out in this world here, like especially amongst rebels, it's less of may the force be with you as a, like, in the sense more, like... More like a prayer. More like a prayer or more like a rallying cry. Yeah. So Yeah, that's probably a better term. Yeah, so. So as we're like the Horde and World of Warcraft are like for the Horde. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, so. Um, so that leads us into Empire Strikes Back. Yes. So it's been about maybe two or three years at this point as we kind of jump further into the timeline. The rebels are in hiding right now. They're running around constantly, trying to avoid the. Uh, They're empire. in the snow planet. They're on Hoth. Um, an interesting notion here, and I want to bring this up because I think it's cool, is that the initial scene where um, so basically the movie kind of opens up with something crash landing in onto the planet, and then they think it's a meteorite. A meteorite. Luke going to go find it. He gets attacked by some sort of. Wampa, which is this huge okay. monster. Can can I tell you the minute I saw it and I and uh, I had this response the first time too because I, I went, oh, that's right. It reminds me of the Abominable Snowman from um, from uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Oh, take a look at him. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, no, really, take a look at him. He well, looks I, just I, like. I. It reminds me of the of the uh, Abominable Snowman from Matterhorn in Disneyland. Okay, well, he looks like the abominable snowman from from the Island of Lost Toys, sort of thing. I will have to rewatch it uh, to see that because I didn't see that, but I can see where you would see that. Yeah. And I and I remember and now keep in mind, like when they originally did a lot of these characters and everything, they had to use stop motion animation to yeah. get the effects. With the enhanced with, with digital technology, they look nicer, but I wouldn't necessarily got better. There's a certain charm to stop motion animation. There reality. is. There's a time to just leave things alone. So um, this is one of the first times you actually see Luke actually using the Force at all. 
Well, because he's learning to control it and, yeah. and to trust it. Yeah, so he gets back his lightsaber. He um, gets out of the cave. He slices off the Wampa's arm, and like Han has to go save him. Yeah, uh, and, and Han's getting ready to leave. Well, Han's trying to leave. They're, yeah. they're trying to fix Millennium Falcon for some reason. Never really well, explained still, why. Oh, I, I was under the impression he still has to return the the money. Well, he still has to return the money, and he yeah. wants to leave, but he yeah. keeps falling around the rebellion here because, like, he's kind of tied to it for right well, now. And he's and, he, and he's become a, a very uh, well-revered captain. Yeah. And, and the implication is, um, and it's even mentioned at one point between uh, Luke and, and Han, um, is that they've become very close friends because they've been fighting together, and you get for the, the last for a while, yeah, for a while. Yeah, clearly, yeah. They, clearly they've been through some stuff, and that's made them better friends and better like, buddy brother. old pal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They Absolutely. literally say buddy old pal, and mm-hmm. and and you're like, oh, okay, because there was sort of that that sort of friend, but but like I'm like your I'm like your pilot right now, and I'm looking out for you because you're younger, and I've been around a lot older. Well, there longer, is a, but now there it's is like a, a brother. Big, now there's big like a brother, brother big brother, 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 absolutely, big brother, brother, little thing. brother sort of thing going yeah. on between them. No, yeah. absolutely. Um, this is also becomes so. Uh, there's this giant snowstorm happening. Um, what's interesting is that when they were filming the snowstorm, actually, the place they were filming at in Norway was coming down so badly they sent. Mark Hamill out to go walk through the snow, and they kind of huddled in the entrance of the hotel, filming him from a distance. That's how they were able to get that scene, essentially. That's me. Um, they send Han Solo goes out on his uh, Tauntaun, yeah, to go and find Luke to basically go save him. Um, you get one of my favorite jokes. One of my favorite jokes I've heard before about this scene, where um, Han Solo basically puts Luke into a Tauntaun here. He cuts him open. Um, he cuts him open with the with the lightsaber because he finds Luke and Luke's freezing. Yes, um, they, they, so you have to ask yourself, what's the best temperature for a tauntaun? Lukewarm. Oh, I I know, right? It's really bad. It really is. Um, but this meteorite that's crashed onto the planet of Hoth—it's actually the Empire. It's a scout drone. Yeah. The Empire's coming. And they figured that out pretty quickly. Oh yeah, they figured out pretty quickly that the Empire knows they're on Hoth, um, and. They send a Star Destroyer out there to go in, basically go collect them, but they've got other Star Destroyers coming. This one approached too quickly. We get the classic bit where Darth Vader can't have a good general or captain of any sort. He just keeps knocking them off one after another. <laughs> basically force choking I'm them. I'm sorry, I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was. <laughs> force choking them yeah. from like remote distance here too. He's just taking them out okay, one by one. Okay, and can we talk, I didn't realize... I didn't realize until I was watching that that he could do that from afar. He could do that. He could do that like like while facetiming someone. He could again. I mean, like we're never quite well explained how far he is away at all. But you get the impression that like the guys on a different ship, they're not in the same place. No, but like you get the impression that maybe they're like a mile away or two, maybe or five oh. or ten miles. You don't know. That's the or, bit. Or or two hundred or three hundred. Or like or like how do you do that through? I know, right? While FaceTiming. I don't know. Well, anyway. he's kind of FaceTiming, just on a bigger screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, we get the famous uh, Hoth battle where the dog-like walkers, known as AT-ATs, which, mm-hmm. again, were, puppete- were puppeteered with using stop-motion animation to do it. And the idea to basically clothesline them and wrap yeah, their legs and trip them. Yeah, the speeders that they have don't have really good weaponry on them, necessarily. Um, and they have very limited uh, fighters, which they're trying to use to 
f- to ferry the different ships and protect the ships. Yeah. The bigger ships. Um, so the speeders are kind of like basically like flies to a dog. Not very yeah. not not all that interesting and not and basically kind of like Ooh, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah kind of pesky. They eventually figure out you got to kind of trip them, but they're too late and they don't stop them nearly long enough to get out. Yeah. Um, so the so the rebels have been sending their ships out and they've decided they're all going to rally back at this one point and, but they just keep sending them out and out while the rebels are basically slowing down the empire yeah there's a shield generator around the planet that's stopping the empire from just shooting the planet down um and this is where we get separated we have two different ongoing stories that are kind of happening at the same time we have um Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Leia are basically on the run, literally from the Empire. Um, Darth Vader is literally chasing them. Uh, Leia again. I don't think he can stop chasing Leia. Um, and they end up hiding in an asteroid, which is actually the den of some sort of worm creature, which is a, kind of a fun scene. It is a fun scene. Yeah, it's kind of, very much kind of like the. It's, and that's back to that sort of. It's going to be unexpected. You can't take anything at face value. Well, what I what I what I attributed to was it felt like a game of Dungeons and Dragons, because it very much felt like, oh hey, you guys found a cave. Do you want to go into the cave and hide? Yes, great. You go into the cave and hide. All right, cool. We're we're kind of hanging out here. Great. It's fine. Do you guys want to look further down the cave? No, no, no. We're fine. All right. Are you sure you guys don't want to look down the cave? Okay, the GM is telling us we should look down the cave. Let's go look down the cave. Uh-oh, you found a dragon and you've woken him up now. Everyone run a dragon out. So. Yeah. It reminds me. It, that scene reminds That's a me, good analogy. It reminded me a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. And it very much felt as if, like, we were watching people on an adventure. And you felt the chase at that point, too. That, like, they had a moment to rest. They, they went into an asteroid field. And you've got C-3PO screaming in the background. I was like, we're never going to survive this. <laughs> You know, the probability of getting through this, and even Leia's like, shut the hell up. Yeah. Stupid goddamn droid. Okay, but but there again, you have that... Humor and fun. And intention, cle- and, and yeah. Like, you clearly are on an adventure, and, like, you you know all the characters that are on your adventure. You've got the stoic, ba- you've got the stoic yeah. guy that's going to protect everybody. You've got the princess. You've got the roguish... You've got this roguish smuggler... And then you got like the nerdy robot, and you're like, okay, I get this. And while it's still like they're trying to have fun with it here, like you clearly can tell they're like, they're all just being themselves and they're having a good, and it's it's a fun sequence. It's a fun sequence, and it doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's got this beautiful level it's got of nice char- balance. It's got this beautiful level of charm to it as well that's yeah. very much not present in the prequels here at all. That's like, okay, we're going to be all right, we're in a lot of trouble, but we're going to be okay. Yeah, and there's and none of nothing's being forced either. It feels also natural, just so so genuinely fluid. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we get later episodes. We we get um, so while Han Solo, Luke, and, or Han Solo, Chewie, and Leia are on the run from the Empire. Um, they decide eventually they're going to go to Cloud City where they've got a friend named Lando. So we'll come back to that in just a second. Well, and and it's not they. Han has a has, has, a, friend, has a friend named what? yeah, which Lando Calrissian. Lando Calrissian. Now, if you watch though, there's another movie that's kind of takes place between episode three and episode four. They've got Han uh, Han Solo, a Star Wars story. Right. So that's another. I haven't movie. seen that yet. You can. Okay. Um, we can talk about that next time. Okay. Um, but we have but Luke has gone off to Dagobah because. 
he's seen the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's told him there's a Jedi Master on Dagobah that he can go learn from. And so I'm going to ask you this question here, and maybe you have the same opinion I do. How long is he on Dagobah for? Is it, does it feel like it's like two days, maybe? See, and, and I know it's not two days because I know he really does study and and when he decides to go, when he knows he has to go, both both Yoda and Obi-Wan are, are telling him... You're, like, that, don't do it, your training's not, not done, you can stay not, here. You're not ready, you need more time. But, but what you see is, I mean, the sense I do get is that that where he's very skeptical as to, as to whether he even needs training when he arrives. And well, he's skeptical of what his trainer is. Well, he's skeptical of what his trainer is, but he's also sort of arrogant and overconfident. That, he know, that he's got this he, already, but he clearly... But he clearly, but he clearly doesn't. And, and so I think there's a... a I, I get a sense, and you never see it. And, and here's, here's my comment. I would love to see what that training was and what the wisdom he picked up because um, you definitely get a sense that there's a lot of personal growth that takes place during that, that time That's period. That's how he does a and lot where of growth, you, yeah. Yeah, and where you, where you have a, a cocky boy when he arrives, you He's, have a, a much more serious young man when he you leaves. Have a, you have a more matured young man when you come out. And, and kind of like aware of he knows what he's getting into now that he's going to go face Darth Vader. And he no longer takes it for granted. Yeah, like he doesn't think like, oh, I can beat him or anything. But he goes there knowing that like, I got to go save my friends. I don't care. I know what I know what I'm walking into. As for well, friend, you think like he would have just gone into it headlong and just been like, no, I'm going to go rescue my friends. I don't care what's in my way. Oh, and here, and here, and so a couple of interesting things about that particular scene, and then about that particular time period. I guess my first thing is, I would have loved to have seen what wisdom was shared that got him, because to me, there's a measurable difference between the 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 boy that arrived and the man, the young man that leaves. Well, there's a couple different things that happen. I mean, like there's the there's the slow motion fight with Darth Vader, sorta. No, I'm talking about about Luke. J- just just Luke during that time period. Well, again, there's also the scene where like this X-wing sinks into the swamp, but Yoda kind of like tells him that like you believed it was impossible, so of course it was impossible. impossible. I believe that it's not impossible, so thus I tried. Yes. So yeah. I tried and I was able to do it. Um, but no, yeah, no. I, this is this. Uh, there's another scene in again, and I've quite quirped about it already. Last episode about the the uh, boardroom scene on the Death Star where they make it where the one guy makes it sound as if like Darth Vader's Jedi you know Sith sort of stuff is like some ancient voodoo that hasn't been seen in generations God forbid yeah and this is one of those times in which like if if Luke Skywalker had been training on Dagobah for what like six seven ten months or something maybe a year and like Han Solo and Leia and Chewie were like still like constantly on the run sort of feeling that like maybe time would have lasted longer but you can't be in chase for that long either okay so so my <coughs> sen- my sense was even though they don't they don't show you enough to think that it's more than a couple of days mm-hmm. my sense was was sincerely that it was probably a month or two at Possibly, the very yeah. least because um, you see you see such a change in in Luke well, so now my, that you see a change in Luke, I also would wager you see a change in and Yoda. Leia, well, well, you well, see Leia and Han as well, because they've got a slightly they're they show bits and pieces of them having some sort of like romantic sort of 
sort of, yeah, kind of inquiry between do. them, but they never, but they never really kind of just flat outright admit it. And I don't buy the notion that by the time we get to Han being so frozen in carbonite, that the two of them have had this like mutual love sort of thing. So if it if it happened over the course of like maybe two months, yeah, I could totally believe that. I okay, think that'd so, be so, so more reasonable. Okay. So I think it's actually a couple. Of <clears throat> okay, yeah, I can agree with that. Okay, so so my next thing though is a, is a different observation, and that's that that knowing um, now what I know with one, two, and three, mm-hmm. which I didn't know the last time I'd seen a No Hope. It bothered me that Yoda and Obi-Wan know who Leia is. At that point, Luke doesn't know that Leia's his sister. Mm-hmm. But they know that there's another, and they know that it's Leia. Well, because well, they, know, they know who they placed Leia with. Mm-hmm. So they know who she is, and they know that she has some of the Force with her, too, because she's also Anakin Skywalker's daughter. And he's going to save his friends i mean that's how they term it you you cannot say you know if you leave to save your friends we will lose you Mm -hmm. and they have a very concerned talk with him and um why would they sacrifice potentially leia i i think rather that and this is just me throwing throwing it out here that I think that they kind of came to the notion that Leia was maybe I mean they had Luke already and they clearly make a point of saying that there is another in Leia but like it's also kind of like oh you've already started you've already started on this trail why would you go back to why you know you're already like kind of halfway there on the bicycle trail already why would you go back to point A pick up a new bicycle just to ride the bicycle path all over again when you're halfway there already Okay, and this and this goes in part to my 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 thinking that he's been there for a couple of months. Yeah, I get the is 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 that Yoda at first even tells Obi Wan, I I know that you think he is, but I don't. I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like this guy. I don't think so, and and expresses quite a bit of, of skepticism when Luke first arrives, and it's very clear when Luke is leaving mm-hmm. that he fully believes. That he is the chosen one. That he is the chosen one, or or at the at the very least that he's he's extremely capable and extremely gifted, and I there don't. He think, has potential. Yeah, and I don't think that happens in a matter of of, of days. No. So here is my notion that I that I wish hadn't happened. I wish Yoda was in episodes one, two, and three. Well, he is. He, he Yoda's peripherally. The, peripherally, yeah. But I wish that he wasn't there. Maybe he's in just. Maybe he's in number one. You wish you wish he was there with Anakin? No, no. I wish he was only there in episode one and not in two and three. Like, like Yoda, like allowing Anakin to become a Jedi means that he now has to be kicked off the council and he goes into hiding because it's such a grave sort of misty to allow Anakin to become a Jedi. To become a Jedi because clearly everyone saw it was a bad idea. But so that, that wasn't my sense of why they had to go into hiding. I no, thought they but, no, not, yeah, not that okay. they not that why they had to go into what I wish had happened. Because okay. then you can explain that like Yoda's been gone for a long period of time. Maybe he's not intricately understanding of everything that's happening or that the the politics of everything that's happened. So then it makes it seem like, you know, oh hey, the Skywalker kid. I heard that name before, maybe it's related to his dad, but I don't think his dad was shit anyways. Or anything okay. like that. Maybe he's not fully aware of all the politics happening around him so it allows him to be 
But then, then how does he protect Luke from it? Then how does he know to say, you're not ready for this? Well, again, I mean, like, again, I think his notion of you're not ready for this is that you're not ready to be a Jedi, or I don't believe you. Well, no, but they they talk about you're not ready to to face Vader. Yeah. And, and, but but that's where your two month time frame could have come in that maybe Yoda. Maybe Yoda finally sees that this kid might have something to be Vader, might have the right stuff at the end of the day. But he's not ready. But that he's not ready. He hasn't like, had enough time. Yeah. And yeah. again, this is one of my notions. This is the other problem I have, is that if Yoda wasn't around in the prequels at all, then if you watched it one, two, three, four, and then you get to five, Yoda's a big surprise. And Yoda's this cool guy that you're not... Expecting. You're not expecting. And you, and you recognize him. Yeah. So, so the first time I saw it, of course, you you believe you don't know who he is, you have where no he idea came what from, this is. and you have no idea critter. that that's who he, who he's looking for. Yeah, just and a weird I, critter. And I liked that better. Yeah, I did too. That's why a lot of people also say you watch four, five, six, and then you watch the prequels, because four, five, six has its own narrative story, and watching one, two, and three gives you the impression of all the stuff that led up to this. Plus, a lot of time as well, you get elements like Yoda, which is spoiled for you. Excuse me. It's spoiled for you in yeah in it, the earlier movies, and so when you see him later on, he's like, oh well, it's it's Yoda. It's it, it's the it, badass. It's he's a badass. How do you not know who he is? Yeah. Or maybe if Yoda had gone, if it was truly senile the entire time, maybe that might have been more interesting. A crazy Jedi who had to go to a distant planet. It was stuck on a distant planet. Um, okay. In either case. Yeah. Um. Uh. Luke decides he's got to go save his friends because Lando Carizian has allowed him onto this uh, Darth Vader. cloud city. But it, apparently Darth Vader, Boba Fett, and other bounty hunters have gotten there first. Yeah. They know and, they're coming. Yeah. Um, because Boba Fett was actually following the Millennium Falcon as they were leaving. Yeah. Um, so they end up torturing Han Solo, um, and they're going to sell Han Solo to the huts for Boba Fett's bounty at the end of the day. Um, and you get the the very classic greatest scene in the entire, in probably one of the greater scenes in this movie. This movie's full of a lot of great scenes. There are in it great too. scenes, yes. Um, the scene in which he gets frozen in carbonite. Yeah. Uh, which is an ad libbed line. Oh, the, the oh, where she says, "I love you." And the notion was originally was that Harrison Ford as Han Solo was supposed to say, "I do," you know, "I, I love, love you, you too. too." But then and he changed he it to, "Is like I know." I know. So and it's a very cocky, I know as well. Oh yeah, it's a very well. I mean, it's, it's Han Solo. Of course, he was cocky about it. Um, and this was actually originally Han Solo. Harrison Ford was only signed for the first two movies. He only signed up a contract for the first two movies. This was supposed to be his way out. out. If he didn't come back. If he didn't come back, yeah, that he was frozen in carbonite and you didn't get him back. So, um, but the entire intention of freezing him in carbonite is to test to see if it will work. Right. Because he, Luke, Vader wants to freeze Luke and Carbonite to take him to the Emperor. Yeah. So he doesn't have like a, stru- you know, because again, like a, a he Jedi. He doesn't have a test dummy. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you have, to, you have to use a test dummy and he uses Han Solo because even if dead, you know, Boba Fett's even like, he's still worth a lot of money. Even, you know, he's still, he's worth a lot more money alive than he is dead. Dead, yeah. So, he's yeah. basically like, I'll well. Con- but, he, but and, and, and even. And Vader's even, like, well, I'll compensate you if he dies. I'll compensate you if he dies. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, then you get the great fights with uh, with a lightsaber that happens all throughout Cloud City with Vader and Luke. Um, an interesting notion here: when Luke uses the Force to pull back his lightsaber, it's actually a reverse shot of Luke actually of, Han, of Mark Hamill throwing the lightsaber. 
Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and I didn't realize that till later on this afternoon when I was doing my research that when he throw when he gets the lightsaber back, you know, it's actually him actually going and he's actually throwing the lightsaber away, and, and they just been... reverse the shot. To, they just revert they rewind to the shot to make it look like it was coming to his hands, and he was turning the lightsaber on again, essentially. How how, how very uh, Beatles <coughs> in the studio playing things backwards, like. Well, again, I mean, like, if you, if you think about it, how would you do it otherwise? You'd have to have, like, strings, and you might have yeah. to have, like... Oh, no, it's perfect. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. So, so okay, so to fill this in, though, a little bit, as it turns out, mm -hmm. Lando Calrissian, which at this point you really dislike because he's been duplicitous. Yes. He's like, I had no choice. He threatened my people. Now, meanwhile, in between here as well, like... Vader is like altering the deal apparently some sort of deal yeah. that he had that yeah. he had a deal he was going to come and he was just going to take Han and the princess and well originally he was going to leave he was going oh he was going to leave the princess and Chewie mm -hmm. and then they then he later changed no take the princess I'm going to take the princess, princess with, with me. me yeah he's like no we had a deal it's like you know yeah we had a deal do something about it yeah what are you going to do yeah and Lando was like okay well I'll do something about it and so basically Lando causes a little bit of a coup and he uh, tells his people start packing up yep start packing up get the guys out of here but let me let's go save Chewie and the princess um, and um, they eventually um, get back to the Millennium Falcon thankfully barely though and they intentionally in, they intend on leaving right they don't you know they realize Luke is there there but they're pretty sure like Luke's going to be okay if he leaves yeah <clears throat> but um and it's really Leia who senses that Luke is there. Yeah, which you get already, but Luke is like almost like sensing Leia through the Force. Yeah, and you kind of get the hint that Leia has some probability, maybe with the Force, to be able to hear it all. Yeah, um, but then you get the famous scene where Luke, you know, and Vader, Luke chops off. Vader gets Luke. So, hand. so Luke, Luke and Vader are fighting. They have the famous thing that you just described, which is just fascinating. That he Disarmed. was throwing. Yeah, there was he was well the, where he was throwing. Um, the lightsaber, and that's how mm -hmm. he retrieves it, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have the, you have these conversations in which in which Vader is trying so hard to persuade him to just come to the dark side. Yeah, you know, just come with me. Like we I can, feel your anger. We can I feel take, your we, hatred. We can defeat the Emperor and make this galaxy a much better place. Which is a bit from Episode Three, where you know even Anakin Skywalker was like, "I know how to make this place a better place. We can you know get rid of the Emperor and we'll make this place." Better, better you, yeah. you know, but you, you know, you gotta, you know, like, do what I tell you to do. Yeah. Um, which is which is the conversation he has with with uh, uh, Obi Wan. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Um, now, what's interesting about this scene here is that um, obviously it's James Earl, James Earl Jones doing the yeah. voice of Darth Vader, which is pretty cool in and of itself. Like, I will never not hear James Earl Jones' voice and think, even when I was watching Lion King, it's like, it's Vader. It's Vader. Um. But what ends up happening is that um, the Vader obviously gives the line like, "No, I am your and father." Father, search yeah. your feelings. You know that <clears throat> you know this to be true. Yeah. So, what the actual line on said on set though, and was read in dialogue was, you know, the notion that like, no, you you know, you killed my father, and no, the original one was, no, Obi Wan killed your father. Oh. Which would elicit the same response, you would think. So the original line said on the casting, and when they were filming, and it was in uh -huh. the scripts, was, Obi-Wan killed your father, not I am your father. Oh, Obi-Wan never told you what, ha what happened what to your father. your father, did he? Yeah. So the original version of the story was, 
and I don't, and it's it's dubious because George Lucas says it was always meant to be a red herring that it was always meant to be changed in post. But he didn't want to have the script getting out and and have, have people knowing, links. and yeah. Because now, obviously, Star Wars is a big deal, and if he and if he did a sequel, he didn't want this to be spoiled at all because he felt that this would be a spoiler for anybody coming into the movie knowing ahead of time. It's, yeah. it's supposed to be this big reveal. It is the first thing that that got out there about the movie, though. Yeah. Um, but the minute the, it was out, you you heard, mm-hmm. oh my God, Darth Vader is Luke's father. So apparently, based off of what Mark Hamill has said about that scene, is that he, that George Lucas took him to the side and said, "This is the actual line that's really going to be here, actually." But they never said it on set. Okay. The on set version was, "No, Obi Wan killed your father, not I am your father." Look in your heart, you know it to be true. Yeah, but wouldn't that be a slightly more interesting works. notion if that were the case? It would certainly be a different story because then you're turning the the student against the master. Mm-hmm. Which again, I think would have been more. Then, then would you join the dark side? Yeah, would it be worth it to join the dark side, or what would happen the next movie afterwards? And there's yeah. an and there's an interesting idea for that Mark Hamill had about the last about uh, the next movie here as well, and I'll explain that here in a bit. Okay. Um, so um, Luke jumps off the jumps off this platform here found basically out. it looks like he's committing suicide he just lets go and falls somehow he gets sucked into this tube that basically shoots him into like a garbage sort of thing that shoots him out underneath the city and he's hanging on an upside down antenna yep um he gets rescued by the Millennium Falcon who jumps off to now mind you throughout this entire story here the Millennium Falcon hasn't been able to go into hyperspace at all yeah hasn't been able to jump to hyperspace because Something's, Something's broken on well, it. Well, I think they said, did you dismantle the hyper hyperspeed? Well, the Empire did. The, the Empire, Empire did, the, yeah. The, the Empire, well, the Cloud City people were fixing it. Um, you know, did you disable the hyperdrive on there? And they're like, yeah, yeah we disabled it. And yeah. R2-D2 figures out that it was, that how to fix, put, turn it back, back on. on. But yeah. um, but throughout the entire movie, the Millennium Falcon can't jump to hyperspace. So they're just traveling at, like, basically, like... Everyday speed, yeah. They're just like just they're internal thrust. Yeah. yeah, they're going the speed limit. They're not, they're not, you know, on the free. They're they're taking city streets very slowly through a neighborhood. They're not. They're not on the taking I five. No, they're not on I five, and they're not on the freeway. Yeah. Um, but then, so at the very end of the movie here, Luke is with back. They're all back at the rebellions, bay, uh, kind of point that we're all going to meet back at. Lando with Chewie is going to take the Millennium Falcon and go search for um, Han. Han. And try to find him, and then Luke's going to go... Luke gets a new hand, a new robotic right. hand, and then he's going to go join them. Um, and that's the way we end the movie, on a very kind of somber note, like... Yeah. And there had to be a third movie. Yeah. Um, what I found interesting also about this movie here, um, for a lot of the scenes in which Carrie Fisher and, and Harrison Ford were acting against each other, Carrie Fisher actually had to stand up on a box... Oh, because Harrison Ford's tall. Well, because Harrison Ford is six foot one, Carrie Fisher is five foot one. Yeah. So that was interesting there. Um, the other fun part I found very interesting here is that um, the very brilliant Frank Oz plays Yoda. Mm-hmm. Um, that apparently a couple Master of Muppeteer. Very much Master Muppeteer, one of the original Muppets. Yeah. Um, two different fun ones here is that apparently when they were in um, Yoda's hut. Uh, Mark Hamill had to hit his head on the ceiling over 16 times before the director said, I like that one, which I found funny. But the other, but the even funnier one here is that uh, Frank Oz is, no, well, is well known for doing Miss Piggy. Right. Um, when Mark Hamill was having a hard time with his scenes with Yoda, apparently Frank Oz had Miss Piggy hiding in the background 
and would pull her out and would do stuff with with Luke Skywalker at that point and would get a rile out of Luke Sky- out of uh, Mark Hamill and then they could go about the scenes because apparently it was very difficult scenes. But yeah. in between there, though, there was the Muppet show in which Miss Piggy was interacting with Luke Skywalker and Mark Hamill. That's cute. So there was, there was that as well. Um, but now this leads us nicely into Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Um, originally, it was supposed to be known as Revenge of the Jedi. Oh. But and if, you, and if you go to movie posters, movie posters originally had Revenge of the Jedi on there because, again, obviously you have to send this out ahead of time. Right. Uh, George Lucas changed this about a month before the film was released to Return of the Jedi because Revenge is not a very Jedi thing at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, it isn't in keeping with the whole sort of no. uh, uh, let go of your anger and your hatred. Precisely, yeah. yeah. Um, but in the process here, we get to um, we get our droid friends going up to the huts and we find out that um, We've got Chewie, who they find Han Solo kind of in carbonite. It's kind of like a wall fixture for um, in a bar, the, the hut. In, yeah, in, 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 a, in, in a, Jabba the Hutt sort of lair. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, some bounty hunters brought in Chewbacca. Yeah. Oddly enough, um, petite little little bounty hunter. We later learn that this is Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um, you see, uh, Lando Calrissian is kind of hiding out in the background as well. He's like, apparently he's undercover. Yeah. Um, and then Luke pops into, you know, hey, I'm a Jedi. And he uses all of his cool force powers. He's like like well, a he sheriff sends, walking. He sends, he sends a hologram first and says, I would like to meet with you. I know that you are noble and, and, and wise. Just, yeah, and, yeah, just give me back Han Solo and we'll be all good. Yeah, I, well, I can, I'd like to negotiate with you. I can make it worth your while. Yeah. Um, and Han Solo, and you can drop the hutch just like, no. No. Um, eventually, Carrie Fisher goes, uh, excuse me, Leia goes and frees Han Solo from Carbonite. They all get locked in the prison, and um, Luke gets uh, Luke goes there himself because he hasn't heard back from his droids at all. Yeah. And Luke's like, you know, hey, you're gonna, you're, you come on, let, you're gonna let him go, and he's like using his force powers and Jedi mind tricks to kind of basically yeah muddle his way around. He beats a Rancor. Yeah. Which is a big kind of gnarly creature, and then they're all about to be. That's an interesting scene. Also done in stop motion as well. I could see that. That's yeah. an ugly. Ugly, ugly thing. Bit of, oh yeah, not not pretty at all. I replayed it twice. <laughs> um, and then we get to the famous Sarlacc pit, which is where, like, apparently this pit where it takes like years to digest you, so you're constantly in pain. Pain, yeah. Um, lots of spikes. Um, and we get to one of my cool. Fu- we get to two cool trivia points here because we've also got Princess Leia in her slave in her harem. In yeah, her slave her, outfit. Yeah. Sla- yeah. Um, the one of the reasons why this costume exists is not because of fan service, not because of George Lucas, but actually because of Carrie Fisher. Oh, okay. So one of the complaints Carrie Fisher had apparently in earlier movies was that you couldn't tell she was a woman. Well, yeah, because they had her in all these robes. Yeah, these all these they, robes, long yeah, gowns. No figure. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was nothing was very like nothing was pointing out her silhouette at all. So when given the chance to, they put they were able to put her into this like gold metal bikini. Yeah. And one of the other problems with this gold metal bikini was is that it was actual metal. It wasn't like plastic or anything because yeah. back in the day that you couldn't like paint plastics or rubbers in yeah. metal kind of coating. So basically, after every scene, a wardrobe person would have to come on, make sure that everything was still in the correct places because there was multiple wardrobe malfunctions that had to cause reshooting of scenes. Oh, okay. So. 
it's a cool outfit. It it is, and I've seen lots of cosplays for it. Oh, I bet some good and some gnarly. Not, yeah, guy, Maybe after guy, the figure. A pop, a cop, no, well, no, a popular one amongst guys as well. <laughs> it, a pop a popular costume I've seen is girlfriends as Lou uh, as uh, Han Solo, guys as Slave Leia. Cool. So. Okay. Um, I don't think I have the legs for it, so I'll just put that ahead of, out oh, there ahead of time. Oh, okay. Um, we also get kind of the cool scene where Luke debuts his new lightsaber because he's lost his father's lightsaber, which he got in A New Hope. Right. Um, so he's replaced it with a new lightsaber, and it's green. And do you know why it's green? No. It's green not because of Jedi use blue and green lightsabers. It's green because the sky in Tatooine is blue. Oh, and you couldn't see see it if it were blue precisely because the original blue lightsabers are very kind of a lilac sort of yeah sky blue sort of thing it's basically yeah. a white core with like a blue hue that kind of goes around it yeah versus the green one's kind of like a very light it's a green, green yeah with a green glow around it so that was the original intention why it was a it was originally again in movie poster shown as a blue lightsaber yeah and later changed as a green lightsaber because that standard that stood out more in a sky setting where you would have seen it a lot more often Okay. Um, it also works well in the forest, which they later go to as well. Yes. Um, so at the end of the day, um, they save Han Solo. They all return back home to the rebe- to the rebels. Um, but meanwhile, the Empire has been building a new weapon. They've yep. been building a new Death Star. Sorry. And the Without Emperor the flaw. and the Emperor's decided that um, he's going to be there to make sure that it gets completed on time and gets completed correctly. Yeah. Um, this is actually how we even start the movie, even. So. Yeah. Um, so eventually what ends up happening here is that um, they realize that there's a new Death Star being built, um, and they've figured out that it's currently circling a planet with a shield generator around it, so no ships can get on can get into it at all. Kind of a same similar shield generator like it was on Jeddah, on the one planet in Rogue One. One, right. So the intention is that with the shield up, you can't send fighters in to go and take out um, the Death Star like you did last yeah. time while it's being built. Um, and the place where the shield generator is at is actually on this force mood of Endor, which doesn't have a... It does have a shield, shield its own shield generator, but you can get into it. So they've yeah. stolen a Imperial ship. Luke, Leia, uh, Han Solo, and Chewbacca have all decided they're going to go in and they're going to go and... Um, say they're going to go in and they're going to go destroy the shield generator essentially. And 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 they're going in with a code that they bought. That they've bought, uh, and they're from not other really Imperial. sure if, if it will work. Yeah, because this mission could be over real quickly, and they would yeah. it basically would just be all for naught. Yeah, it barely works though. Apparently, it gets them through. It gets them through. It's an older code, mm-hmm. but it but it, but it's a genuine code. Yeah, which makes me believe that it might have been the code from Rogue One. Well, there you go. Which would be kind of an interesting kind of bit if that were the case. Yeah. Um, so they get in, and um, a little bit of trepidation first. We get this cool biker scene um, for, that we get with Luke and Leia as they're riding through basically the forests of Northern California. Yeah, this is Mere Woods, which is actually one of my favorite places. Mm-hmm. Very green, very lush. Yeah. Um, it's also where we meet the Ewoks. What were the Ewoks? I'm sitting there so hard trying to figure out because you see their eyes. You see what were the Ewoks? I, I've always understood them to be slightly larger teddy bears. Okay, no, 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 no. Who played the Ewoks? Um, were they? They were all played by either. Um, 
Are they, they were all played by by people who had little, dwarfism. Okay, so little little people. Yeah. I'll keep in mind also that there was a guy named Troy Baker who was literally in R two D two as well. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. occasionally, sometimes R sometimes they would forget that he was in there when they went off to lunch and wouldn't let him out either, which was unfortunate for Troy Baker. But no, I mean, um, do you remember the movie named Willow by chance? Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the one of the guy lead character for that Willow the guy in that movie Willow played one of the main Ewoks. Okay. So. So because they seemed very human in mm-hmm. the in humans and fur, and and they, they seemed very human in their movements, but clearly they were much. They weren't of the yeah. normal proportions, right? Human in their movements, but also in in their in their eyes. I don't know how to explain what I what I mean. The well, eyes and mouth it, seemed real. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, anytime they had like a mouth sort of thing, there was always a puppeteer beaten not too far behind, okay. who was using either hydraulics or would have been using hydraulics at the time. Maybe some radio controlled. But more likely, uh, hydraulic sort of pumps to manipulate face gestures and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and usually, a lot of time, if they are talking, they're not. And some of it might have also been a bit of the puppeteer that might have made a uh, master helmet that allowed you to do some movement of your jaw okay. and stuff like that. Um, famously, one of the aliens in um, some of the aliens in. Um, cause they did a lot of extra. Instead of doing all 3D, they did some aliens in a very practical sense uh-huh. um, where you move where you would have like a head head suit on and you would have puppeteers on top or you might have like a chin strap where if you moved it the lips of the puppet would move as well so the puppet head that you had on would move as well okay so uh, but all of them all the Ewoks practical people none of them 3D because back in the day you couldn't do 3D characters quite like that yeah yeah so I mean that's why I was asking because it um yeah. They actually at one point had, they had like, they didn't like the working conditions because obviously they're in fursuits in the middle of the summer in a tropical place that's very warm. Yeah. Um, and they had quit and they were on their way to the airport and then turned around because um, they hadn't gotten paid yet. Okay. So they came back and worked. Okay. Um, but again, like, I, I, if memory serves me, there was about 30 or so people, uh, smaller people that went and did, did it. Some of them, and ranging anywhere from the age of, like, I think anywhere from the age of like twelve to thirty, thirty to forty years old. Okay. So, um, quite a diverse cast at the time. Okay. Um, They're pretty cool. So, throughout this entire bit here, though, uh, after they meet the Ewoks, Luke kind of confesses to Leia that, like, you know, that they might be, you know, that Luke. Have you ever wondered where you're from at all? And Leia's like, no, well, my, my mother died when she was young. and She thinks she remembers your mother, which yeah. I thought was interesting because... They were both very much babies at the time. They don't remember. Yeah. They, they wouldn't have known anything of their mother. Their mother, yeah. The babies in, as in, like, minutes old. Right, So right. So I thought that was an interesting comment. Yeah. I always took it to be Jimmy Smith's wife. Yeah. That she died. Yeah, that, they, 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 that, that was the mom and Jimmy Smith's wife... Um, died the senator's yeah. wife died young yeah that's what i in, in context now seeing it that's what i thought it to maybe be okay would have been more sense. interesting if it was actually like padme who like escaped and was somehow like killed by accident yeah and leia was just like left and didn't know leia was there i actually i actually don't like the fact that padme dies at the end of three it would have been much it would have been an interesting st- side story to have padme live and and her have to deal with with Going kind of hiding, hiding, live on a farm. 
Yeah, and be in love with somebody who, having been in love with somebody. Who, that might have been an interesting story, too. Yeah, it would have been, to me anyway. Um, at this point here, Luke realizes that, like, Vader is in. He's, got, he's actually, before he even returns, after he gets Han, he actually goes back to Yoda to finish, try to finish as much of his training as he has. Um, Yoda, you know, admits to him, yeah, Vader's your dad. He has this moment with Obi-Wan. Why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Luke learns that Leia is his You sister. said there is another. Search your soul. Yeah, it's Leia. Yeah, yeah, it's Leia. We, 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 we meant to tell you that. Like, totally, it was yeah. Leia. So, yeah. Um, we get that kind of nice kind of father father grandfather sort of scene yeah um okay are, are you talking about the very end no 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 no. the very okay. no this is between when they go to the force mood of endor and yeah. when they're um get rescuing han luke goes off to go to back to dagobah to go visit yeah. back yoda who i like to presume that he's been training with at this point until he goes to rescue han solo right like how else would he learn how to build a lightsaber or stuff like that yeah yeah. Um, and even Luke's lightsaber is actually supposed to be modeled after Obi-Wan Kenobi's lightsaber that you saw in um, Return of the Revenge of the Sith and earlier yeah. episodes, yeah. essentially. That it's supposed to be kind of a model off of that. Yeah. Um, but we get to the point where, like, even Yoda agrees, and they. You, essentially, what ends up happening here is that after this nice touching scene with Leia, Luke decides. He wants to go try to redeem his father. He wants to go try to redeem Anakin Skywalker from being Darth Vader. We want to talk about Yoda dying. He disappears as a ghost. He disappears as a ghost. But you, but I mean, you, so Luke goes back to finish his training, mm-hmm. and Yoda tells him, "I have aged. I've yeah. grown older." Yeah. And and he says, "No, he has not." And they have this this brief conversation, mm-hmm. and then Yoda goes to sleep, but the never waking sleep. Yes. Yoda just kind of quietly goes into the yeah. distance. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very kind of touching moment here, and it's very also, like... Again, he disappears like all good Jedi do when they die. They disappear and become one with the Force. And, and his body goes away. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to another question in a couple of minutes. Okay. Okay. Um, so, again, Luke at this point... So, his speak- body, so, so we understand. His body vaporizes. Yes. This, this, I have a question later, Okay. okay. We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Alright. Um, Luke basically turns himself into the Empire. Vader comes down and picks him up himself and takes him to go see the Emperor, which is what mm-hmm. Vader and the Emperor really wanted the entire time. Time, yeah. Um, along the way, Emperor is basically trying to trick uh, Luke into joining the dark side and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get this, like, again, now we get a three-way battle again. So we have... Um, Han Solo and Luke, Han Solo, Leia, and Chewbacca trying to blow up the uh, shield generator. They get initially captured by the Imperials, and then the Ewoks show up, and then all hell goes loose. Love the Ewoks. So cute, the Ewoks, and they beat the Empire. But there's some really cute little little scenes, like like the, the Ewoks uh, grab control of one of the uh, walkers. Uh, wa- yep. That's, that's shooting them up. And and you know, Chewie he, goes and helps them, and yeah, and and so the yeah, and Chewie goes and helps them, and and you get a cute cute thing of, of Chewie like upside down going into the mm-hmm. thing, um, petting them, playing with them a little bit as they're like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. good job, good yeah, job, good yeah. job. Um, but you have you have uh, you know Princess Leia gets gets shot, and and uh, you've got Han Solo worried about her and still trying to break down this door so they can get inside, 
And all of a sudden, the walker uh, shows up, and they think, oh, it's toast. We're done. We're done. Yeah, and then, it turns out to be the, the Ewoks and Chewie. Yeah, and it's kind of, Chewie pretty. just kind of pops up in the hatch. It's like, oh. Chewie! Chewie! Come and help me. Yeah. So, um, although by the time this happens, though, the rebel fleet is shut up, led by Lando Calrissian. Yes. In the Millennium Falcon. Of course. Which was apparently originally his ship. Was yeah, one but you you find that out in, in two. They do talk about yeah, that. Yeah, you do talk two. about how he got he got one off of him in a card game. Yeah, exactly. Um which so was, you already know that yeah, it's his ship. Yeah. Um so but they get there the the rebels get there before the Empire before the rebels on Endor and Han Solo has been able to deactivate the shield generator. Right. And then they notice all these Imperial destroyers everywhere. And it's like, oh, there's. they get there and they're like, there's not really any security here. That's the Death Star. You'd think that there'd be more security here. And Lando's like, wait, there's no security here. They'd have to have security here. The only reason they wouldn't have security here is if they knew we were coming. It's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah. yeah, the famous line is, it's a trap. By, uh, by the captain. Admiral Akbar. Yeah. Which I've actually seen a great cosplay of that as like Admiral Akbar as an actual like nineteen as a, like a fourteenth century like admiral in like the full like English regalia sort of. Oh, that'd be cool with the fish yeah. head and everything. It's yeah. very it yeah very cool. I will I will link pictures on our on our blog. That would be fun. Um, done by uh, Mr. Adam Savage of Tested Fame. Oh, okay. San Francisco native. He does a lot of cool cosplay actually. Cool. Um. So. Um, so the rebels are fighting against all these star destroyers and all these tie fighters. Essentially, they're vastly outnumbered, uh, but they've got to kind of hold off until Han Solo can get the shield d- down. Get, get the shield down. He can get it down. He can get it down. Just trust him. Yeah. Just wait a little bit longer. He yeah, because in theory they can still kind of like jump to hyperspace and hopefully leave at this and, point and get and, and get away. And, and yeah, come back to fight another day. In theory, but with a lot less lives. A lot less ships and everything at that point yeah. as well. Yeah. Because the because the, all these starter shores are kind of just waiting in the background, waiting to just kind right. of like pounce on the on right. the rebels. Um, but now Luke's also now mind you, like when Luke was taken by the Emperor, they took his lightsaber as well. Yeah. And it's been sitting by the Emperor's side the entire time. Fun fact: the guy who plays the Emperor here, um, what's his face? His name um, Ian McDermott. Uh huh. McDermott. Same actor that plays him in Empire Strikes Back. It's the same actor that plays him in the prequels. So he had to wait like 15 plus years before he actually got to have a role that didn't have him in so much heavy makeup. Which is interesting. Which is interesting. Kind of a cool, but a kind of a nice cool parallel yeah. that you're able to get an actor that when the movie was going was in his 30s and now is kind of in his 50s and a lot older, but still the part. That's Suitable, yeah. It's a cool bit there. Um, so now that Luke's got his lightsaber back, now he's fighting with Darth Vader, and he's, they've got this very epic fight happening. Um, well, but I mean, the, in the meantime, the Emperor has has taunted him into getting his like lightsaber. Yeah, in fighting with Vader at this yeah. point here, and the intention yeah. of I feel in, your hatred, mm-hmm. like you know. And the intention of uh, the Emperor here is to strike down Vader, give into your hate, and now become his new apprentice. Which is interesting because yeah. why wouldn't Luke just go down? Will go out against. The emperor here and just take out the emperor at the same time. Yeah, but the emperor is really strong, though. Oh yeah, well Emperor's we'll see here. We'll yeah. see here in just a second how strong. Yeah. Um. So you know everything's going to go well. Han Solo gets the 
gets the shield generator down, which allows Lando and his guy in the in, in Rebel fleet to go in and start attacking the Death Star itself here now. Yeah. Um, and Death Star is surprisingly big on the inside. Yeah. That you can have a ship the size of the Millennium Falcon just kind of like moving through like hallways Ways. almost yeah. and like going down through like corridors and everything. Very interesting in that notion. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more hollow than you would suspect. Um, meanwhile, again, on to kind of fast forward a little bit through the plot here a little bit because there's not a whole lot of plot. It's just a lot of uh, full, cool stuff to watch here. Uh, Vader has been taunting Luke and realize and kind of searches uses the force to search Luke's feelings and realizes that he has a sister, sister. and that pisses Luke off something bad. And Luke's like, it "No, scares him. It yeah, scares him. Yeah, and you're not going to get my sister." And he basically goes over and he fights with Vader again, and he basically chops off Vader's hand and basically gets Vader beaten at this point. The Emperor stands up and is like, ah, great job, great job. Now kill him and become my apprentice. Yeah. You know? And Luke basically realizes what he's done here at this point. He's given into his hatred and he throws his lightsaber down and says, no, I'm a Jedi. I'm not well, going to do this. Okay, and here's my most interesting... So, so and this actually goes back to a, a scene a little bit earlier where... where Darth Vader tells um, tells the Emperor, my son is on that ship. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't refer to him as, as Luke, he refers to him as my son. Yes. So then in the subsequent scenes, they each refer to each other. As father and son. They never as father and son. Yeah. They, they aren't using Luke and Darth Vader, they're using, I will not kill my father. Yes. Um, I, 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 they refer to each other as father and son, which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting. I didn't. I don't recall that I noticed that. I didn't either until now you mentioned it. But yeah, no, it's very like this is my father, but it's a very distant sort of relationship that they have. It's a weird. It. It's a weird thing. But but I mean, even earlier, like twenty minutes earlier, um, uh, the emperor is walking with Darth Vader, and he says, "My son, mm-hmm. my son is on that ship." And and um, he refers to him that way, not not Skywalker, not Luke. Not in a familiar tone, but more of just like, no, that's my son. That's my son. Yeah. Um, we get... Bamper, now, Luke's basically throwing away his lightsaber. Nobody's got a lightsaber at all. Right. We learned in episode two that the best way to deflect a the lightning from a Sith is to use your lightsaber to deflect, to absorb right. it. Right. Um, meanwhile... Luke doesn't know this, obviously, and we didn't. Nobody knew this going into it either. But the Empire apparently issued electricity out of his fingers. We actually, do we know that though? How did, how does the Emperor become withered in in the scene with um, if, if Samuel we, Jackson? If we if we watched one, two, and three, we would have known that the Emperor can shoot lightning. Yeah, but if we hadn't, that happens. But if we hadn't watched one, two, and three, right? Him shooting know. lightning is like, yeah. oh crap, he can do that. Isn't that cool? Oh, crap, yeah. the Emperor. So um, he's basically electrocuting Sky, Luke here at this point. Invader's kind of watching. It's now kind of like gotten back to his feet and he's watching. Yeah. Um, now, you can tell me if you saw this in your version here, but in the remasters uh, that George Lucas did back in the 90s, um, they added lines for when this happens. Because when it happens in the original 1983 version... Vader just kind of walks up behind the Emperor, 
kind of looks at his son, looks at the emperor, looks back down at his son, looks then looks at the emperor, picks up the emperor and like just chucks him down, um, down yeah. down this kind of like shaft and basically right. just kills the emperor in theory. Right. Um, but in the remasters for it, Vader's like no. No, he pick and then he goes and picks up um, the emperor here. Do you remember any of that at all, by chance? Did Vader talk at all when he picked up the emperor? I think he does. It, yeah. He says no. Yeah. It's much more interesting when it's silent at the end of the day, or at least from my point of view, it was. Yeah. Um, you get this kind of touching moment where, like, obviously Vader's been electrocuted. He's not his suit's not doing the things he wants it to do. Yeah. Um, He's absorbed a lot of, and Luke as well has absorbed a lot of. A lot of, they've both absorbed quite a bit of pain, but I think because, Electrical charges. But I think because of Vader's already semi-robotic nature right. at this point, it's probably done more damage to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, what ends up happening is that um, by this point, the Rebels have actually gotten into the core of the Death Star and have shot what they need to to do the most damage to it and have started a chain reaction to blow it up. Right. Uh, Luke and, Luke has gotten Vader down to like the landing bay where they're going to pilot a ship but Vader's like no I I'm going to die I'm going to I'm not going to make it let me look at you with my own with my, my own eyes. eyes and you get the reveal of the person underneath was a lot more frail and than you suspected initially yeah he's kind of a a white very well again like he's got he's got no melanoma in him he's got he's all yeah. very very white at the end of the day because he hasn't had no sunlight at all. No sunlight, and and and, and you can see the, the the damage that would have been done in the mm -hmm. in in three. Yeah, some of it's healed, obviously, because he doesn't yeah. have nearly as much burn left to him, and he's got yeah. clearly like parts of his scalp have kind of like shredded on some levels and yeah. stuff's grown on him, like yeah. But nothing that you might assume that wouldn't be on like a much much older person, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So you have this element of Luke saying kind of goodbye to his father. Um, for this briefest of moments that they yeah. have, yeah, um, and they escape barely yeah. before the hangar bay explodes. Yeah, the end of the movie is basically in the remaster. They go through like different cities. They're all celebrating with fireworks and like, oh my goodness, the M the the okay, and they do that and and yeah. and. What the hell is with all the fireworks? We haven't come up with a better way to celebrate. We're still with with twentieth uh, century fireworks. You tell me fireworks are bad, and I'll, I'll I won't believe you. Fireworks well, I don't are think awesome. Fireworks are bad. I'm just saying. You you, you think know, that we'd have a better way of doing it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, how many thousands of years later? So an interesting notion here is that um, so everyone kind of gets down with the Ewoks. The Ewoks are. Having their own kind it's of like party, party there it's as well party. with all the main characters and everyone's happy. Um, Luke kind of goes to the side for a little bit and he sees the Force Ghost of Obi Wan Kenobi. You see the Force Ghost of Yoda, and then out of nowhere you see the Force Ghost of Anakin Skywalker. Now here's a I hate what they did. So the version that was originally there would have been an older anakin skywalker that was more of an adult they changed it it was later. the anakin skywalker that he said goodbye to it's hating christensen so the it, one it, the one in episode three in the original in the original movie mm -hmm. the 19, 1983 version it is the man it is is the burnt husk of a face yeah it's that, the same guy there. it's the same guy that he says goodbye to on the the landing pad mm-hmm and in this version, it's it was... It's replaced by Hayden Christensen, who was the actor who... Prior, prior to the burn. 
the point in which he would have still been a Jedi, right. not like, fall into the dark side. Oh, that was such crap. I Why mean, the hell did they do that? I'm going to do something for you that, that probably won't that probably explains a lot of the remastering on this. George Lucas didn't know when to put his pen down. Well, because... It, I know, it ruins a lot of what would have been special and kind of cool there, kind of at the same time. Again, to have the older, they have this older gentleman that's kind of redeemed as a, as a Jedi would have been far more interesting. Oh, gosh. It, it takes away all the sort of power of the idea that he's... Um, redeemed at all. Yeah. That you get that because you redeemed can't version. Because rede- you can't redeem a version that wasn't evil. Agreed. So, so in order to have the redemption, I need him to be the evil, evil Darth Vader. I agree. I thought that was crap. I was so disappointed. Oh, don't worry. I was very annoyed with that as well. And mind you, that change didn't happen until after the end of the prequel trilogy. So, can we can we talk about the scene in which um, uh, Luke? Because there's, there's a couple of things that that um, it sort of plays fun with. Okay. So, if we can talk about the scene in which in which Luke tells Leia. That, uh, you know, when he asked her, do you remember your mother? Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, he tell he, he basically tells her. Hints her her at, hints to, hints to it. Kind of dances around the notion, but kind of hints at it heavily. But then she gets it Mm -hmm. and she, she says, I, I know, I know it to be true. Yeah. She just knows. Yeah. And so they poke fun at that later because, um, during the whole sort of, um, Luke is taking off. Walking away during an Ewok fire thing. Yeah. Okay. And um, and and Hans sees the two of them talking, and then sees her giving him a really big, giving Luke a really big hug, and Luke walking away, and Han and Han is is like, oh, okay, I, I get it. You you love him, and she says, of course I do. And then later on. Oh, then that it's not that's not that scene. So what okay. had happened was that. Um, at this point here, the Death Star has exploded. Now yeah. Leia and Han Solo are on the planet of Endor, and they're celebrating. And, well, not not yet. The, not they're yet. celebrating that the, the the Han is basically kind of trying to bandage up Leia's arm. Yeah, and you know, and Han looks up to there up there, and he looks down at Leia. It's like uh, I'm sure Luke wasn't on there when that went yeah. down. And she's she like, says, "I know." And she says, "Oh, I know, I know." You, you know, it's like you know, like, but I'm sure he's safe. You know, because like, you love him. It's like, no, he's my brother. Yeah, and that's the moment when that gets revealed. That so, yeah. no, yeah, no. I felt that to be a very touching scene, and I think it kind of opened. I think it opened up. A but gate. he, but he says at one point, I'll, I'll, she, he does say at one point, um, I know you love him, and she says yes, and he says I'll step aside. Yeah, no, he he infers that absolutely that he'll well, he step actually aside. says I'll step step I'll step aside. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but no, yeah, no, and I felt that kind of an interesting scene because it later points out. In expanded, in expanded material for for this books and other stuff, uh-huh. it's very much portrayed that Lu- that Han Solo and Leia became got married and had a m- had multiple children. Right. Um, and some of that's kind of a little bit explained. And some of that is in the the sequel, the yeah, sequel trilogy in, yeah. here as well. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting notion that I thought would have been interesting, is that during the fire, so at the very end of the movie, they set. Um, they did it in episode one where they put Qui-Gon Jinn's body, they, they torched it, they gave okay, him a Okay, so I have fire. questions about this, yes. So they did the same thing with... Um, Darth Vader. Darth Vader's body, they, they, they basically burned his body a lot. They basically burned him a but lot. But if Yoda can disappear and dissolve and vaporize, and Yoda's a Jedi, then how come they have to burn the other two? 
Now, explained in Clone Wars, the animated series that happens between Episodes 2 and Episode 3, it's explained that um, people who have... Um, people of light side, uh, light side, so basically Jedi, who have an extreme under extreme prowess with the Force can meditate a certain way before their death, and this they can join the Force um, by turning into a Force ghost. Force ghost. It doesn't happen with everybody. It has to happen with people who are uniquely strong with the Force, especially the light side of the Force, that their bodies will vanish when they die, essentially. Right. And so it's explained that initially that Qui-Gon Jinn became a Force ghost and shared this information with Yoda that it was doable and that when um, at the end of episode three, like Yoda basically says, oh, well, you can train, you can speak with an old friend. And, yeah, I did. Uh, I did. Yeah, I do recall And you and McGregor is Obi-Wan Kenobi's like, with Qui-Gon? So it's assumed that during the time where... Um, Obi-Wan is hiding on Tatooine, and we might see this at one mm -hmm. point, because there is going to be an Obi-Wan theoretical TV series, okay, um, which is slated for, I think, 2021 or 2022, maybe. Okay. Uh, but we might also get um, quite the uh, Liam Neeson, who played Qui-Gon Jinn, to kind of come back as a Force ghost, too. Oh. So we don't, we don't know what... He's still looking pretty good. Yeah. Well, again, if after those Taken movies, I don't care how old he looks. Um and it, what was interesting about the movie here, and I found out later through doing my research on it, is that Mark Hamill wanted, opined to, to George Lucas that what if at the very end of the movie that um, Luke is holding the helmet of Darth Vader and he puts it on his head. So when the movie ends, um, it's left ambiguous whether Luke Skywalker joined the dark side or he was still on the light side or if he was holding onto the helmet for some sort of keepsake or some sort of... Uh, but, Memento burns, of the but you see the helmet burning. Yeah, well, this was what Mark Hamill wanted it to be. Okay. He wanted the he wanted the ending to be somewhat ambiguous that it left options for later movies because he felt that there were, that the series was big enough that there could be later movies. Okay. Uh, and clearly, you had said this is episode six now. By the time we get to this point here, so clearly there was going to be a one, two, and three. But this opened up the door to still have a seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fifteen, or something. Yeah. So. Um, but that's that's what Mark Hamill wanted to do. He wanted to leave it ambiguous. So you have a problem with the special effects. I I are you talking about they in, added they in added general in general. I don't think it needs them. I think there's something very charming and and endearing and endearing and and it, yeah, you, I think you call it gritty, but there I think there's something. I don't I think. There's a lot to it for practical effects. You can't recreate certain stuff with, that's not practical at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I totally get and I that. Think, but I, I also I think totally a lot of I think a lot of the choices as well. Like one scene that that sticks out to my head is the uh, scene we're in the Jabba the Hutt's kind of uh, parlor. Uh huh. And if you remember back in the day, there was like there was some music happening in the background. It was like yeah. a slave girl, tweet yeah. girl dancing. Yeah. And then they change it to like some kind of like pop number with this weird alien singing and dancing. Oh, a whole, so, the, 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 the whole, whole the number. Three, oh, there's the whole three three. There's backup singers. Yeah, like this is unnecessary, totally unnecessary. Yeah, they, so, they, so there's a lot of scenes like that 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 they, are perfunctory and not necessary. Yeah, and and they don't advance the story, and I don't think they add to anything. And and I mean, she's even got like very cartoony lips, and yeah. yeah. And, um, Which was originally a puppet that was there. There was a puppet that was singing there. That w that there was a, a character there for that, but they just decided to three D it and and do go go over the top. 
And keep in mind, these are still. She's got backup singers. They're doing. They're doing a floor show like. like it's absolutely unnecessary. Sorry, I one hundred yeah. fully percent agree. Keep in mind, these are also like nineteen nineties special effects. Because mind you, by this point here, Jurassic Park has come out, and George Lucas decided he's going to test the water to see how he can make Star Wars look with modern with modern graphics here. That's too bad. With modern it's, stuff, it's too bad. I, again, this is one of those cases where I think the special effects. In some scenes, they can help. Like, the explosion of the Death Star looks a lot better here. The The trick to do it, though, is to make it, is to use it in such a way that the audience doesn't realize you've used it. Well, and I think, I think if I were to contrast the first three to the, to the, the next three, mm-hmm. um, I guess my comment would be, okay, use it to augment, but not to focus. You, yeah, use it to enhance in subtle ways that make, that would add to it. Like... There are some little bits here where, like, um, for as an example, when they're first getting into um, the city and um, to go meet Han Solo and Chewbacca, there's like this weird kind of like huge giraffe brontosaurus-like yeah. creature that kind of like spurs up at the fact that like a speeder's coming by and like nearly yeah. knocks a Jawa off. Yeah, that's fine because it's not yeah. necessarily adding anything to it, but it's not taking away from anything either. Yeah. Like yeah. it just kind of adds to the it's sense. Not becoming that, a focus. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just like it's like an addition to the scene that's like. Oh, hey, look, this place is really kind of a little odd. Or you get the initial sense that it's odd, and then you get to the... Upset the tone. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff stuff like that had been the case. Like, I wish they hadn't replaced a lot of the um, uh, practical offense with the X-Wings and stuff like that. Because, like, that's, like, entire tracking shots with specialized cameras. They had to literally figure out how to make roboticized cameras so you can keep the same... So you redo the scenes multiple times, but keep it it's literally the same scene as well. Yeah. So, like, they literally had to create stuff like that. And so a lot of that got taken out. A lot of, like, the puppeteering was lost in the process as well. Um, like, there's just a lot that, got I think, gets taken out because you try to make things look the way you intended to. And may, and, but and a lot get, of that charm was and I could And I could see some of it was trying to make the whole thing a cohesive set. Yes. And styles had changed enough that, that maybe some changes were needed. But um, I still found I still found the charm in, the charm is in the snark. The charm is very it's, the charm is in the snark. That is, again, my whole entire feeling was that like the first original trilogy was like playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons with a really good GM. Yeah. But I felt like the later ones were like you were playing this game with a GM. But you all were given lines to read so the GM could kind of steer the story around. Okay, but I felt like I felt like um, Rogue One pulled you back. Yes. Well, again, I was, you, I was if, delighted if you, by that. If you watch it in the order in which it's kind of perceived to watch it in now. Like if you assume yeah. you watch one, two, three, you watch uh, a Han Solo, a Star Wars story, okay, and then so you I watch, need, I, so I you, can, watch you can that. watch that in between. I don't find it necessary because like. I don't think it does as great a job as Rogue well, One, be, but, it, but I think it has a nice, interesting... It'd be fun, it'd be fun to, to learn his backstory. Oh, yeah, no. It, it, yeah. It's an inter- It's a somewhat interesting story, which yeah. I, I think works well. Okay. Um, but then if you watch, you know, Rogue, you watch Rogue One, then you watch 4, 5, 6, it leads... It, in that movie, again, a lot of the special effects don't necessarily take away from the film at all, either. They enhance, they enhance the film, and they're very seamless, so you don't notice them at all, either. Yeah. Like, again, like, you can't... like. K2SO is an actual 3D character. It's not a practical screen effect robot. Yeah. Because its limbs are way too skinny for it to ever be a practical robot at the end of the day. Or a practical effect on the screen. You could, yeah. but you'd take a lot of work to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's something to be said for practical effects versus 
non-practical idea. He's marvelous, though. Oh, he really is. Um, so, but I think, but no, yeah, so again, I like the original trilogy a lot more than I like the prequel trilogy. Yeah. I appreciate the prequel trilogy's ability to expand the world and kind of more focus the world than what was this previous world. I don't think I need all the, all the politics, though. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think the politics added to anything at all. I think you can still tell a story without having the politics on there, but I think the politics were very much, um, a... If you, if they, I think it was an element of the time because you would have had you would have had very this very polarizing sort of politics and Republicans and Democrats here in the states, yeah. and you would have had a, you know this very in, in nineteen ninety nine would have been the ramp up to um, the well, big election been, in two thousand, but you would have still had like Newt Gingrich in the set in the in the House and all those like. Well, you would have been just past the the Clinton impeachment. Yeah. So, and that would have been right in the time in which they were filming and right and yeah, and I and and I and I realized at the time when I was watching it that probably flavored it a bit. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess I I felt like I got the politics without getting the story behind the politics. Well, part of the problem with so. a pol- I think part of the problem with the politics here is that like politics in the in of themselves are are multifaceted like you somebody did a then the somebody did b the somebody did c this somebody did d and there's also a lot of nuance between politicians like oh what i do i do this or i do this for this reason versus i really believe in this and you know like you could have two different people that are on the same party but have different opinions about one particular policy at the end of the day like gun reform or something like that and but yet they all agree on climate change so um I can appreciate that there was like a nuanced sort of feeling, but I got I I don't I agree I don't think we necessarily need the politics necessarily or we didn't need. I just would have liked to see more character development. I think. Oh, I, I, I would have preferred it if there was a different maybe. Tell act. me the emperor's backstory. I mean, I, I would. We, we I, might get that. We don't know. Might get that. I I would like to understand that. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. So this okay. next so this next week we're gonna watch. Episode 7, uh, The Force Awakens, followed right. by Episode 8, of The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. We're also going to watch a Han Solo story, so that'll be our focus for next week. Okay. And then we'll go into... Then we'll go we'll immediately... We'll go watch the movie. We'll go watch the actual movie. We'll go immediately mm-hmm. into that. Yep. And then we will come back and tell you our opinions of that movie, and then we'll find a new topic. Yeah. Something a little bit... Little, maybe a little less spacey, but we'll find a new topic. Okay. But I uh, have some ideas. Oh, cool. Um, but that's it for us here for today. And thanks so much. We continue on our Star Wars uh, themed month here. Uh, I want to thank you so much for listening to us here today. You can find all the show notes and some of the cool stuff. I'll post the uh, fight scene between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader as well as the uh, 19th, uh, 14th century General Akbar there as well. Um, up on our website at nerdtutorialpodcast.com where you can also listen to the show as well. You can also visit us on facebook.com slash nerdtutorialpodcast where we do post all the episodes and you can continue with the conversation there if you have if you prefer Facebook. Or you can also visit me on Twitter at nerd, at nerd underscore tutorial where you can recommend show topics and you can actually see I'm actually now going to be now following all the all, I'm following all of our old topics that we've done on there. Oh, very good. So if you want to visit our Twitter, you could go to any one of the Twitter pages for these official, like, World of Warcraft, Star Wars, Star Trek. You can follow... Bronies? The, Bronies as well. You can My Little Pony. You can go to some of these pages and you can see... Um, you can continue with... If you're interested in a topic, you can find their Twitter there and find out more information for those topics as well. Uh, but thank you on behalf of myself, and we'll, we're going to go watch some more Star Wars, and we'll see you guys again next time. Bye. Bye.